the Simple Pen Podcast, Pinterest for business advice that goes down smooth and easy. Here's your host, Kate All. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Simple Pin Podcast. I'm your host, Kate All, and I own a Pinterest management company based out of Portland, Oregon. And through this podcast, we help to teach simple, manageable DIY Pinterest tips that will not overwhelm you. This podcast is a little bit different this week. We're going to be doing an Ask Kate podcast where I ask my Facebook group, and if you want to join that Facebook group, it's totally free at simplepinmedia.com slash Facebook. And I asked my group over there multiple questions or multiple days threads, I guess you could say about what they would like to know about Pinterest. And so I have my friend Angela Davis from Frugal Living Northwest with me here to help ask the questions and bring along a little bit of humor. So thanks, Angela, for joining the podcast. So thrilled to be here. So just so everybody knows too, um, we didn't structure these into beautifully organized categories. We're just kind of rolling with the questions. So it's a little bit more impromptu, but there will be, you know, there's good questions. We won't just ask hilarious questions along the way. Um, but you I do want to, yeah, I never, that's true. I do never know what you're going to do. Um, I do want to remind everybody, if you have not signed up for the free simple pin planner that I have, you can go to simplepinmedia.com slash email. And it's a 20 page planner that I created in conjunction with Tailwind. So if you're really looking for a way to up your game in your Pinterest marketing or just a content marketing calendar, this is a really, really good one. So make sure you head over there to download it right away. I love that you just gave yourself props right there. It's really, really good. (laughs) Yes. You're going to love it. (laughs) You're going to love it. Hey, I got to sell it, right? I can't be like, it's so horrible. (laughs) Um, So by the way, you can get all these questions. They'll be in show notes, perfectly organized show notes at simplepinmedia.com slash 91. And I will remind you of that episode number at the end. So with that, Angela, dive into your questions. Okay, so my first question, a lot of podcasts start out with like, what's working for you right now? Instead, I want to start this podcast with really quickly, what's driving you nuts right now? (laughs) It's so awesome. Your internet, that's what's driving me nuts right now. No, that was mine. I know, I know. That's what mine is going to be. So what's driving you nuts right now? Oh, well, what in the moment, if you want in a little, moment. in the moment, if you want a little sneak peek into my personal life, my <laughs> husband, we we function on a cash-based system. We fun, we follow the Dave Ramsey rules of budgeting. And so we have cash and we have all these envelopes and he runs errands on Monday and he likes to go to Costco. Target, you know, Costco, a little bit of like bread and a few shirts on the side. So he gets out of there. And if he's bought anything for the family that does not come out of his personal money, because we have personal money. So he, if he overspends it all into his personal money, he will call me and tell me this. And this is literally the moment he gets to the car. Petty Cash owes me $5. 
Petty Cash owes me $10. So if you follow the rule of the cash envelope system, you will know that there is no Petty Cash envelope. And petty even, Cash does not exist. Petty Cash does not exist. <laughs> so even though I have told my husband this multiple times and that it drives me absolutely crazy, he insists on still calling me and saying, Petty Cash owes me $5. So he just did this right before the podcast that we're recording. He went to Target came out and discovered that Siri can call through his car and all this kind of stuff. And he was like, this is so awesome. I don't have to touch my phone, but I really want to tell you that Petty Cash owes me $5. And that drives me over the edge. So that is what's driving me nuts right now. He can be such a turd. I I'll, I want to smack him for you. Yes. Petty Cash. Thank you, Petty Cash. And now it's like he, it is his goal to continue to use the word petty cash just to drive me crazy. Yeah, because it drives you nuts. It does. And of drive course, me and it's right the que- it's like the call in the middle of the day. Like we were supposed to be on a on a podcast mm-hmm. recording, and he calls to tell you about petty cash. Okay. Yeah, it's awesome. And I would have gotten a long voicemail too had I not answered. So I just need to not answer the phone during the be- the middle of the day. So, oh, that's a good point. Yeah. But you think it might be serious and then it turns <laughs> yes. out to be petty cash. There might be like he's helping one of my children or something, but no. Right. Just, no. And, you know, the, the hope is not, he's not just trying to drive me nuts with the petty cash comment, but he is also telling me so that he can be released of any responsibility to remember. Now it's the balls in my court. Kate, you, you got it. You got to remember. And now you have to reimburse me the moment I walk into the door yes. out of the petty cash envelope, which will, by the way, doesn't exist. So you got to find it from another envelope. Yes. And he'll take it from some not appropriate envelope, like car budget or something. Anyway, <laughs> there's a sneak peek into our budgeting life. Uh, yes. Um, what about you? What's driving you nuts right now? My internet, because we were in the middle of recording this previously. You guys aren't going to hear any of it. And my internet just went down. I live in the middle of the suburbs. There's no reason for my internet to not work. We pay a gazillion dollars for internet and it just goes down randomly. It's usually because someone's microwaving. Yes, that is. There's got to be a sign on the microwave. Yes. So if someone's microwaving, the whole house internet goes down. So then I always leave my office in a rage and I'm yelling at people, who's microwaving? (laughs) So I went in in a terror into the house to find out who was committing the ultimate sin of microwaving while I was on the internet. Yes. And it was nothing like the whole house was just down. So I reset it. So we'll see how it goes. Because by the way, this intro is awesome. So we can't recreate this. (laughs) Yes, it's very, it's very true. (laughs) So We'll just hope that Comcast pulls through on this one. Oh, anyway, I will save my opinions on internet just in case an internet company wants to give me a lot of money to promote them. (laughs) Okay. Uh, All right. Let's dive into some questions. Okay. Jody has a question Uh, for web shops. What is the best way to deal with products that you are no longer selling, but the pans are still driving traffic to that page or to that project product? Okay, so number one, I would always tell people if you can redirect it on the site side of things, that's going to be your best way to do it. So maybe redirect to a very similar product and make a note to somewhere on that page. I see you were looking for X, you know, if you can do that. And here is a product that's very similar. 
Or you can update that page by saying, I'm I'm sorry, this product no longer exists. Here are three similar products that we think you might be interested in. A lot of people will ask if you can mass update the pins on Pinterest and you cannot. You can only update and edit the pins that you have pinned. But even that would take you a very long time. So if you can do a redirect or something with a developer, you I would suggest that is your best route of that's your best plan of action. Yeah. And doing redirects, like if you have a WordPress blog is not that difficult to do. Now, I don't know how to do it. No, but it's not like you have to have someone go into the depths of your site. Now, if you have an Etsy site. Yes. Do you know if that's possible? Because sometimes I click on pins and it goes to this no longer exists and I get really ragey about it. You know, I don't know about that technically with Etsy or even with Shopify, but I imagine they have dealt with this question multiple times that there is a way to do it. It's just sometimes we get so busy or we forget that we no longer have it and we just don't update it. So that's just a way that you know, Pinterest users can get super frustrated, especially if they're looking for something. Because what they end up doing too is they will do visual search a lot of times and hover over the image, just try to see if they can match similar products on Pinterest. So that's another advantage to have if you have similar products to have them on Pinterest leading to different places, you know, because people will, they'll, they'll search for it. They'll dig. I dig for stuff if I really want it. That's true. Okay. Next question from Don. I would love to know about how to use Pinterest effectively without a blog. Oh, this is a good question. So I will say if you're going to, it depends on your goals. Like if you're somebody who's just going to do affiliate links on Pinterest, I think that's a little bit tough because what you need to know about Pinterest is that if we're looking at like a sales funnel, which is like an upside down triangle and the top of the funnel being like where you warm people up. Pinterest is definitely top of the funnel. It's where people go to prepare and plan, you know, two, six, one year in advance, you know, especially if they're going to do a major overhaul in their house or they're going to travel. So they're not quite primed and ready to purchase right away. So if you were on, I mean, obviously if they're on Amazon, they're at the bottom of the funnel and they're, they're ready to, you know, push, pull the trigger and buy something. But on Pinterest, it's a little bit different. So you can share your affiliate links or links directly to products, but just know that really, if you have the blog side where you warm them up to your content or talk a little bit more about why you've created something or kind of give them a window into your company, you're going to have greater conversions that way than you are cold. You So all that to say you can do it, but it just depends on what your goals are. If your goal is just affiliate income, yeah, sure, you can see how far that gets you. But I actually don't think it will get you that far without a blog. Okay. So you would suggest ultimately get yourself a blog. Yeah. uh, Yeah. And sometimes people, um, especially like corporate side, like a content marketing side, like that content marketing is how you hook people in. It's how you get them on your email list. Um, I'm, you know, you could, the only other way you could do it is if, let's say, I don't know what she's selling, so I can't speak to it. But let's say we're selling just products and we don't have a blog side. Get them on your email list. So have a pop-up that gives them like a discount, 15% off, or it's a quick PDF to help them choose the right color swatch or something like that. And then you can talk to them through your email list. So that would be, that would be a really effective way if you don't have a blog. 
and you don't want to start it, get real smart with your email marketing. Here's a question from Sharon. Um, I work full time and I can't afford a VA. So I don't have time to do everything I could. How do you formulate a Pinterest strategy when you're pressed for time? So what Pinterest activities give you the best return for your time invested? So for instance, if you only had a couple of hours a week on to spend on Pinterest, what would you do? So if I only had a couple hours a week, I let's assume let's let's assume they have a blog or content side. Like most of the people I end up talking to do have a blog. So I'll say um, on your blog, I would say getting your editorial content calendar figured out in advance. That could be maybe one hour a month. No, it doesn't even take one hour, depending on how often you're posting. But I would get my plan there and then I would figure out my keywords that are going to go on my pin images for each one of those posts. And then I would spend those two hours per week that you have pinning to the right boards that match up with those keywords, pinning to group boards. And I'll say like pinning is the very small, small portion of what you're doing. The biggest portion of what you're doing is going to be the content planning and what you're putting into writing posts. So for me, I do one post a week that corresponds with a podcast. So I don't have a lot of time either to really invest into my actual Pinterest thing. But I know that keywords and I know that images are the two most effective ways to get reach on Pinterest. So I'm going to put majority of my time into those two things. And then as far as scheduling, I just want to make sure that my scheduling is happening every single day. So I use Tailwind. So I'm not sitting in front of the computer manually pinning. But I might sit down on like Sunday and Thursday, those two days, maybe an hour and a half each day, I spend time working on Pinterest, I look at my content, I get an action plan. And then I look at my content. And then I schedule out and I'm done. That's about it. It doesn't have to be that tough. It's just you need to be consistent and you need to be actively putting your content on the platform. So it's maybe not as much about how much time you put in. It's just making sure it's consistently done. Because I can't imagine spending more than a couple hours a week on Pinterest. Yes. I, I feel like I would run out of things to do. Yeah. And I think this gets to the point that like, there's not a general like quick fix to it. Like there, there's not a trick. So it's not like you have to really, you know, formulate, you do want to formulate a strategy for you. And that strategy being like, what are the keywords that you're going to be using? What are the images that you're going to be creating with the text on there that's going to hook your people in? That's where you want to spend the majority of your time, not in what you're scheduling. Scheduling should take you I don't know, not very long to do. And then you can look into your analytics. Well, it takes, yeah. And it takes me about zero yes. amount of time because I pay you guys to yes. do it. The other thing that I would say in that is block out about an hour a month to look at your analytics and we can link to the analytics podcast. But that would be probably the best thing to do one hour a month to see what pins are driving the most traffic. And Google Analytics is where you're going to start to form your strategy because you're going to see where the traffic's coming from. And that's how you can create a content marketing plan. Catherine asks, um, well, she says, I know keywording and analytics have been covered by you in the past and that Pinterest is a slow burn. That said, bloggers talk about strategy to rank high in Google search. So are there any strategies to rank high in smart feed? Mm. So the biggest strategy that I know of is adding your keywords to your pin descriptions. And those are the way, and then also, 
um, keywording your boards. So Pinterest will index pins and it will index boards. So if you are, if you're optimizing for those, then that's your best way to get ranked higher in the smart feed. It does take a little bit of time, like Pinterest. Um, they categorize the keywords that are on your pin and then funnel them towards that particular search. So you do just have to be patient with it. But I would say definitely using those same keywords over and over, especially if you talk about the same thing. It's a little bit, there's not really like a one size fits all how to get rank high in the smart feed like you would hear for Google. But Pinterest has told us that keywords are the main factor in it. So get super smart about your pin descriptions. Okay. So then this is an Angela question. Mm -hmm. When I'm creating content and you're telling me to put keywords in my pin description, Mm -hmm. am I just writing a string Mm -hmm. of words? Mm -hmm. Okay. Or am I writing sentences? You're writing writing sentences. You can do two to three sent or one to three sentences. It doesn't have to be like super long, but you definitely want to have a natural sentence, not just keyword stuffing. You Technically, I'll say like you can keyword stuff because Pinterest doesn't have anything yet that will stop you from doing that. But if we see the way that search platforms have gone like Google and YouTube, they eventually get smart to keyword stuffing. So just write a regular sentence so you don't have to double back when all of a sudden they dock you for keyword stuffing. Got it. So I'm writing a little mini paragraph about what that image is exactly, about. or that, mm-hmm. and then you can do one. You can do four to five hashtags in that as well. So this brings up like a, a secondary question, which is, where do I fill in my pin description on Pinterest or back on my site? And if you have a WordPress blog, you want to do that on the site side. And there's been a lot of I have a podcast about SEO and Pinterest. And there is a plugin you can use that will add a Pinterest text box. It's Tasty Pins. And I really like it because it you want to take your Pinterest description out of alt text, which is primarily for Google. And you want to move that to the Pinterest text. If you do not have that, you can still fill out the alt text. That's fine. But to get more, I guess, tightened up in writing your keywords, I would definitely go for the plugin. Okay. Ariana says, I have more than one URL. Um, So I'm imagining she has more than one site. Um, And she says that managing more than one Pinterest account sounds Mm -hmm. painful. I agree. Um, But if she doesn't set up another account, she'll have to pick just one of her sites to get rich pins, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So then what do you recommend for people who have multiple sites? They have one or or they have two or more sites and they want to be pinning. How do they manage that? Okay, so we have a couple clients in this situation. I would say it depends on how willing... Like it is painful to manage another account. It is painful to really get it up and running and off the ground. So until you feel like that second site has good traffic, I would actually just keep it on that main account if if they are similar niches, like if they are similar topics, like you can kind of cross... The branding's kind of similar. It's not super far out and it's not different. Like one's talking about like gluten-free and one's talking about like bread. You obviously don't want to merge those together. You would want to keep those separate. So man, this is a tough one, not knowing her topic. I would say for most of my clients, I would recommend having a second site, not just for the rich pin piece, but more for the branding piece that some people are going to go to 
this one site to talk about this particular type of topic. And another people are going to go to this site to talk about a particular type of topic. So I would, I would recommend keeping them <clears throat> separate. I mean, if I started like a blog about pancakes, I'm not going to put them under simple pin. I'm going to do a separate one. And you can... You're going to have a separate pin. Exactly. Account. You can manage the two of them in Tailwind without having to log in and out of the other account. So that might actually be a good way to do it is you get Tailwind and then you add both accounts in there and then you can just toggle back and forth between the two. Thank you for using the word toggle. That made <laughs> got it. it. No problem. <laughs> okay. Um, here's another question. What methods don't work anymore? And someone asked this question. I don't know how to say your name. Fawn. Oh yeah. Let's say okay. it's Fawn. Um, okay. So what methods don't work anymore with Pinterest and what are optional efforts that are no longer a must and giving the example of like board cover images. Mm, what's your favorite thing to answer when people ask about board cover images? Oh, do not waste your time with that. Mm -hmm. No one's going to your, to your account or do people go and click on accounts to see what they're doing? I have read that it's less than know. 5%, but... I just, I would pick a lifestyle image without text. I think those look just as pretty and you can keep them there for a long time. So methods that don't work anymore, follow, unfollow. That was a big one for a long time. And I think people still do it. It means that you follow people. It's a strategy they use on Instagram. You follow people and you wait for them to follow you back and then you unfollow them. So you're not following all these people. It's like a bait and switch. Oh my goodness. What a waste of time. Yeah. Well, going. on Instagram, there's, and even on Pinterest, there's automated tools that do this for you. They just follow a bunch of people. But here's the deal is that sometimes your bot that you have working for you, because it's always a bot that does it, um, it can follow porn sites. So unless you don't want your entire smart feed filled with porn, I don't suggest you do that. So, and we've had clients that have opened up their accounts and like almost spit out their coffee because. Um, hopefully their kids weren't in the room. Yeah, exactly. So follow and follow isn't a way to get noticed. And you have to really understand the typical user on Pinterest. Like they're not like an Instagrammer or Facebook. They're not interested. You know, when, when you're a user on Pinterest and people follow you, I, I mean, I remember this before I started working in Pinterest marketing. It felt a little weird and invasive. Like, why are you following what I'm pinning? That's just, I don't know who you are. So that's it, weird, it was just, yeah. that's how people think on Pinterest. That's how typical users operate. So you don't want to be doing anything that you think is going to trigger a response back that is not natural for them. So what's natural for them is to search and follow their favorite people to see what they're pinning or to just spend a lot of time pinning you know, whatever they are planning for. So follow on follow is definitely not something you should do anymore. Board covers, you shouldn't invest any time in. And then cutesy board titles, like don't, don't do yum or anything like that. Because you want your board titles to be, have keywords in yes, there? Yes. Is that true? Definitely. You definitely okay. want to, because this tells Pinterest what the board is about. And then if all the pins inside the board match the title, you have a greater chance of them showing it in, the smart feed. And let me clarify this too, because I think a lot of people misunderstand the smart feed and how it works. So 
The SmartFeed algorithm, which started in 2014, is based on three different factors. It's based on your keywords, your images, and your domain authority. And domain authority is a little bit fuzzy, but basically what it means is that you are having good stuff shared from your site. You're not a spammer. You're not... um, People are spending time on your site. You have, I think in the future, site load time will be factored into that. It's not yet, but I do know that time spent on site, similar to like a bounce rate or not a... Yeah, a bounce rate. That's kind of being factored in as well. So that allows... The smart feed allows every individual user to have a specific smart feed. So that means my smart feed looks different than yours and looks different than everybody else's. So this smart feed is not like this big thing that's out there. You know how Facebook has like a main home feed for you. That's very similar to what the smart feed is. So if you want to get into people's smart feeds, keywording is the number one way to do that. So that's why there's not a specific tool. You know, there was that question about ranking higher in the smart feed. You rank higher in the smart feed because you know what your people want. If you don't know what your people want, then you're just targeting some... You're just all over the place. So figure out like who your reader is, who your buyer is, what kind of things they read, what kind of people they follow. That's a really good way to get into their smart feeds, not the smart feed. There actually isn't one the smart feed. There's an explore feed, but that's different. Okay. Jennifer asks, um, tell me more about buyable pins for people who are selling things. So people who are selling actual mm-hmm. products. So Bible pins are run through Shopify and I think it's big commerce. So you have to be on those two platforms to get viable pins. I will say that because Pinterest is, like I said, at the very top of the funnel, it's where people are going to think about their ideas and it's informing their decisions. I don't think the users on Pinterest are quite conditioned to use viable pins just yet. I think it is a good thing to open up that type of traffic stream. So if you have Shopify or big commerce, then you definitely want to use it. But if you don't, I think you can still have the same type of power by creating really great images that just lead to your site where they can buy the product. But that's the only two ways that you could get buyable pins. And Pinterest does not take a cut of it. I don't know about Shopify or big commerce. I'm sure they have like processing fees. But for now, you can just buy stuff on Pinterest or sell your stuff on Pinterest and you don't have to pay Pinterest a commission, which is kind of nice. So a buyable pin is basically if you click on something, what you'll see is a button that says buy now so that you can actually perform all the checkout features inside Pinterest without having to go off site to another to like Amazon. If Amazon had buyable pins, they could do all the purchasing inside Pinterest. Um, When are they going to do that? That'd be awesome. No, no, I don't know. But I think that is the weird part about Pinterest users is that they're not ready to buy right away. So, you know, I mean, I spent three months picking out whatever my, you know, barn lights on the outside of my house and my bathroom vanity were, you know, they're not quite ready. They're, t- they're, they're planners. Oh, I love that you spent that much time about a light. Okay. N- Nikki asks, what's the best way to get value for money out of a- promoting a pin? So I'm not going to go too deep. And she says, like, I've never done it before. So I'm not sure how it works. So we have a promoted pin guides on the site that we'll link to. But I will say before you even start promoting a pin, what is your goal? So is your goal... It would be like a Facebook ad. Like you run an ad because you have a goal of selling a product 
getting them on your email list or making money through an affiliate campaign. So you have to determine whatever you're doing with promoted pins. And I always recommend doing a traffic promoted pin because then you only pay for clicks. But whatever you're doing with a promoted pin, start there first. So for me, I run promoted pins to my email list because I know the value of an email subscriber is much higher than somebody who's just going to purchase my course cold. So I don't run ads to my course. Some people run ads to their webinars because they know they can sell from there. So again, um, the best way to get the value out of a promoted pin is to know your goal well before you start the campaign. How much are you paying per click? I mean, not necessarily you, but how much does one pay? You can tell me how much you pay. I pay anywhere from 10 cents to 35 cents a click. It just depends on the campaign. I think the last campaign we ran for a month to my most popular pin, we paid 10 cents a click. So I think I spent, I think I spent like $60 over the month. And I don't, I need to go back and do all my stats because we just got done with it. But um, that would be a good go listen to the KPI episode and we'll have that again linked in the show notes because that's going to help you figure out what your key performance metrics are and how you can really, you know, get the max out of that. All right. Next question from Jessica. I recently discovered UTM codes in Google Analytics and she's curious and I'm curious to hear some strategies about how to leverage them to test things in Pinterest. So, so far... Um, I'm using them to understand which boards drive traffic. What are some other ideas? This is good. We just did a podcast about A-B testing images. And I think that's the next best way to do it. And that's simplepinmedia.com slash 86. And once you figure out what images start to resonate with users, that is a really great way to use UTM codes. And that's how we use them here at Simple Pin 2. So there you go. All right. Um, Nicolette has a question about how to use Pinterest for local businesses that don't offer e-commerce. Can you optimize pins for local users or does Pinterest have that built in? Um, so she explains that she has a blog and she pins for two wedding stationery companies, um, which is a kind of a saturated market. And she's wondering how she can use Pinterest to bring in more local clients. Mm. Um, okay. So yes, wedding industry on Pinterest is like ridiculous, but it's ridiculous because that's where everybody goes to search for the ideas. They are not going to Google because they they want to see images. So number one, I would say on every single pin description, you use the keyword of the location. So if I really want to target Portland, Oregon, I'm going to have Portland, Oregon at the end in a keyword at the end of all my pin descriptions. And then I would probably have a board dedicated to wedding stationery companies in Portland, Oregon, because people are searching that both on Google and on Pinterest. So be really clear about the location that you're using. You can even add that to your profile. It asks for a location. You could put that in there. And then once that'll take a couple months to really get Pinterest to recognize the fact that you're keyword or your location is, you know, that's what you're targeting. So just be persistent about it and put it everywhere. So that's how you optimize pins for local users. So then she would write the description about whatever the pins about, and then just at the end, write Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, Kaylee says she's heard some chatter that Pinterest is going back to putting weight onto flat followers. So is this true? Yes, I have heard this chatter as well. 
And I just got my app updated and I have a now a follower feed, which means that it's a chronological follower feed where I get to see all the pins from the people you follow. So that's like how it was a number of yeah, years pre-2014, ago. Pre-2014, it was follower only, chronological, and then it switched to the smart feed in 2014. So now what you have when you get on your phone is you have your main smart feed. It's kind of confusing. They're adding a lot of different feeds. So you have your main home feed, which is called your own smart feed. Then you have the explore feed, which is searching through topics and um, big, broad keyword you know, topics, so big buckets like food, interests that you can explore. And then now you have your follower feed of people you follow as an option at the bottom as well. So it's, I would say that there is an element of people going back to that. And I think for a user purpose too, like users, I think were super annoyed with the fact that they couldn't see their people. Like all of a sudden I can't see my friend who like posts about knitting, even though I don't want to know about knitting, I still want to know what she's pinning, right? Like that was the advantage of Pinterest before. So I would say, yes, this is true. And I see the second part of her question is how do you increase followers? So I would say number one is I really like the Milo Tree app. And I had the privilege of meeting Jillian this last week at Social Media Marketing World. And she's so delightful and has a great purpose and mission to help people get grow their followings on all social media platforms and their email. So I can appreciate that too. I've had that installed on my site since May of 2016. And it, I think at that time, I only had three or 4,000 followers. And now I have 12 or 13,000. And my my um, page is constantly in flux because people are training on it. So I like that this is a constant way to keep reminding people to follow me. So that's number one. Number two is let your audience know that you're on Pinterest. And we forget that users sometimes need to hear the phrase, hey, I'm on Pinterest, go follow me. Okay, I'll go follow you. I mean, like sometimes we just need to tell them what to do. So that would be the second. And then go to your other social platforms and highlight a board and say, I'm talking all about Pinterest marketing tips. Go follow me over on Pinterest on my Pinterest marketing tips board. So it's little things like that that you do probably like once a month that will definitely help increase your followers. Going back to that Milo, is that called Milo Tree app? Yep. Mm-hmm. Here's my annoyance, not with Milo Tree, but when I go to a new site and there's like, a ton of pop-ups that are happening. Like I get ad pop-up and then I get this follow me on Pinterest. And then I get some opt-in monster pop-up. Like I'm a little hesitant, like for myself to add a Pinterest pop-up. Like when that, I guess maybe I'm not, I'm answering my own question and the way I'm asking the question, but like wouldn't building Pinterest followers be like, have to be on the top of my strategy Hmm. Yeah. So what I'm saying it, no, it does. Well, basically, what we're saying is we go to a site and we're inundated with pop-ups and it drives us crazy and we click away. That's Correct. what we want to avoid. Which I get that. I only have one pop-up and it's the Milo Tree, and I ha- I pay for it. It's six dollars a month or nine dollars a month. I can't remember what it is. They do have a ninety-day free trial that you can try, but I have it set to rotate through Pinterest and rotate through my email. I don't have any other pop-ups than that, and I think it is important for you to determine what pop-up is important for you. I believe for me as a Pinterest marketing thought leader, expert, whatever word you want to use, is that growing that following does have an element of social proof for me that I want to curate and develop. I get it. So, but for some people, if that is Instagram or Facebook, or if it's just strictly your email, stick with that too. But 
I like it because it's passive and I don't have to worry about it. So that's why I choose the one instead of four. Yeah. So I think I think the key is with like some people here. Oh, you should have a pop up to try to get Pinterest followers. So they add to it Mm -hmm. and like go to your site every once in a while and see how many pop ups are coming up. Because you, know, you have to add at the bottom and that slows the site down. I mean, there was a time period of time there where like every food blogger had 42 pop-ups and I just stopped going to their site. Yeah, I think that's a really, really big thing to know. And I've had conversations with various people as we talk about the site load time. I know Google has made it important, but Pinterest users... If they're typical Pinterest users, they want to get to the content they want to get to. And I know that myself because I use it. So if you're as a marketer, if you're not using Pinterest, if you're not looking at it every once in a while, please do. Because then you actually see what your site looks like on your phone. What things are annoying about what pops up on your mobile site? Like, don't ignore that because you're just looking at desktop. Because like, I even, you know, they say 80% is on mobile. I honestly think with Pinterest, it's way more than that. I mean, 10% maybe are on their desktop. It's us, right? Like we're the 10%. Or our mothers. Or our mothers. Yes. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like my mom's pretty good about being on her phone. But that's another thing to bring up is that people who don't understand that their Pinterest like ecosystem and how it works get even more frustrated. Like, why is this doing this? Why, you know, do I have to, I can't find the X. That is probably my biggest complaint as a user is that the pop-up is so big. I can't get around it. And if I can't get around it or X out of it, because I don't want to sign up for something, I can't get to your content and I'm gone. So if you have not looked at your pop-ups lately, please do, because I have a feeling like it's going to make your bounce rate higher it's going to be a really big barrier to people signing up for your email list, even though it is a pop-up for your email, which I do endorse having one. Just make sure it's not so giant. I can't actually get to what I want to read. And then I'm just going to give you my email and unsubscribe probably anyway, because I'm so annoyed that I had to do that. I don't. Well, I haven't yeah. Had and then maybe give me like more than 1.5 seconds on your site before yes. that comes and punches me in the face. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, you can set them to pop up after a certain amount of time. Don't yeah. do it immediately. Please don't. And you know, another suggestion would be like, ask some friends to go to your site, like go to this post and then tell me honestly how you feel after after being there 30 seconds and like tell me exactly how you feel and hopefully they will tell you if like there's way too much stuff going on like i had to post i don't what was i promoting i think a sweatshirt it was a sweatshirt oh my gosh it was so bad i went to it was all right anyway and so kate clicked over to that post and you could barely find the content mm-hmm. on it, my site mm-hmm. because there were ads i don't think i had any pop-ups but you didn't because, have any pop-ups. No, but because um, you know, I'm a deal blogger, so my posts are kind of give off a feeling of being ad, an ad anyways. So Kate couldn't figure out what was going on. Like, where's the content? What do I click? I want to buy the dumb sweatshirt. Can you find the link? Yes. Exactly. Um, exactly. It was yeah, really so, so I got it. I got an angry text. Like, this post looks horrible. Yes. And, and I, I was like, ask. You. No, That's the downside of having a friend who is always looking at people's websites. Like, make it better. Yes. 
Yeah, but you know, ask some friends because sometimes we go to it and we go, oh, I can tell that this is an ad and I can tell that this is like, we know what each element is, but a non-online marketer or someone who doesn't live on the internet is going to let you know if she's confused by your post or your content and then make the changes. Yes, please listen to them. And if you've not done like a survey, like do a survey and include in there like navigation of site questions because I don't know. I mean, our market is so competitive. I mean, if you're a food blogger, that's that's tough. You have a lot of competition in your industry. Now, but I will be honest. I did go to my ad manager and I was like, oh, this one ad is super annoying. Can we get rid of it? And then he replied with, well, that ad made you this much money last month. And um, then I had to, me and Jesus talked and decided to keep that ad. Right. Yeah. Okay. So there, that is also <laughs> what you do have to figure out. You do have to outweigh. Yeah. You, and, but here's what you did is you went to your ad manager and you had a conversation to figure out how much that made you. So we looked at the data. Exactly. And then there's probably, there could be five other ads there that don't make you any money that you could remove, making that one shine out even more. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I don't have ads, so I don't know how it works, but you get what I'm saying. I don't know how it works either. That's why I have an ad manager. Yes. <laughs> and so I say like, this ad is annoying. And then he comes back with it, made you, you know, $1,500 last mi- month. And I'm like, I will put up with my annoyance. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Everyone else can just be annoyed by it. And I think that's okay. Like there's mm-hmm. an idea on out there in the internet that like, if, if, it, if anything about your site or what you're doing is you know, rubs people the wrong way that you should change it. You should be all about user experience. Well, if I was all about user experience, I wouldn't have a single ad on my site. I would give away everything for free, but I don't, I'm not doing that. This is my job. So there, you know, the income that you get is an important factor because I ain't doing this for free, sister. Yes, exactly. That, that you do have to wait that out. And, you know, remember that you might get an email from one person don't make a change on the email from one. You make a change oh, if all of a sudden don't. you get like 30 or 40. Even if your ad is making you money, you might want to evaluate it with the fact that you're really annoying readers if all of them are annoyed by it. Maybe they're not clicking, but you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, make the change if you get bulk mass emails. Don't make the change if you get one to two. Okay, that is the end of our questions. Ooh. Okay. Do you feel like... Um, you would like me to insert my unsolicited Im- opinion on anything else? <laughs> no. You feel like we like hit it out of the park. I feel like we're good. This was a this was a good long one that we had here of lots of questions. And the best place for people to go to ask more questions is in the Facebook group, which is simplepinmedia.com slash Facebook. And if you want to see all these questions written out, if you want to link to the resources that we talked about along the way, then you can go to simplepinmedia.com slash 91. And that will give you more information. And in the future, just to you know, let you all know, Angela and I are going to do a podcast about starting a Pinterest account from scratch, because she is going to have a new site which was kind of like, you know, that person who asked that question about having a second site managing two accounts. You're about to enter that territory yourself. So I am. And I actually feel like you're about to enter that territory <laughs> managing two sites on Pinterest because I have nothing to do with my Pinterest account. That's true. That's true. It will be fun. <laughs> Starting a Pinterest account from scratch is actually fun. So look for that episode to come out next. 
And Angela, thank you so much for being a moderator and asking great questions in a hilarious way, as always. You're so welcome. All right, everybody, have a good day and make sure you go to simplepinmedia.com slash 91.